as we get to the word this morning, we never open the scriptures without calling upon the power of the Holy Spirit. So let us go ahead and pray. Most gracious and heavenly Father, I want to thank you for being such an amazing God. And I want to thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to come here this day. I ask, Lord, you know, we, we've sang, we've prayed, but now that we're about to open your scriptures, we dare not do so without calling upon the power of your Holy Spirit for wisdom, clarity, and understanding. I ask, Father God, that you anoint my lips and that the words presented here be not mine but yours. But I also ask for my family here in the church that you open up their hearts and their minds to be receptive to your message. In your most holy and precious name I pray that everyone here say, Amen. So there's a story, um, you know, I got to get used to your, your timing here. We're usually wrapping it up in my church by now, and I'm home eating like 10 minutes from now. But, you know, we're just getting started. This is, uh, it's all right. It'll take some getting used to, although we are meeting with the worship leaders and stuff on Monday night, and hopefully we'll work it out a little, little bit so that we could eat a little bit earlier because, you know, uh, you don't maintain this by not eating, you know what I mean? But anyhow, um, there is a story that you may have heard that you're very familiar. I love this story. It's a great story. Uh, it, it talks about a, a son who is, um, who is part of a tribe, and his father is chief, and he's talking to him, and he says, Father, I am struggling. Inside of me, I feel like there's a battle between two wolves, and they're there, one that desires to do good, one that desires to do evil, and there's a genuine struggle. Daddy, the struggle is real. So what do I do? And so the father says, well... You know, because the child expressed that he's really, really afraid. And he says, well, the wolf that you feed is the wolf that will be triumphant. And so I, I like that story because we all have that internal struggle. There is a war inside of us. And I like that concept that, you know, you have a wolf that is for good and a wolf that desires evil. And they're battling inside. Who's going to win? The one that you feed. I get that. But here is my slight problem with the story. You may have heard different variations of this. The problem is that it implies that whichever one you feed uh, it will, will grow strong. But the problem is, I would like to say that if you don't feed the good side, the bad side will still triumph. It's more like weeds. I don't, you know, here I'm surprised at all of the growth you had here. In St. Pete, my house was about three blocks from the, from the beach. And so I had sand in my front yard. I couldn't get grass to grow to save my life. But weeds grew without me making any effort whatsoever. And so it goes more than just which one do you feed. Because if you do no feeding whatsoever, the evil wolf will grow stronger. The evil wolf will win the battle. And so it's a slight twist from the story from when you may have heard it before, because at the end of the day, there is a battle. And if you do no feeding, evil will win. If you do feed the good side, then you stand a chance against the evil. Do you see the difference? There's a text in the Bible, Matthew 12, 30. It says, he who is not with me is against me. And who does not gather with me? scatters abroad i have three best friends that that i still talk to sometimes we go a year or two without talking to each other but then we reconnect like we've never you know disconnected at all i mean we're just there and doesn't matter what even though we may go months without talking to each other if they need me i'm there i have one of them who is not part of the church very good friend i love this guy to death and he is a very good guy you know he he he's a better christian than most of you here you know he he does he, he stands up for society he does great things he just doesn't believe in God and so when you look at him on behavior only you're saying wow 
this must be a Christian. But no, he doesn't really believe. And he says, look, I don't believe in this whole good versus evil and Jesus and Satan and all of that stuff. I just don't believe in any of that. But according to the Bible, when you look at Revelation, the ultimate question is, whom do you worship? And if you don't worship the lamb, by default, you worship the dragon. When Jesus said the words, if you're not with me, plain and simple, you are against me. You can't say, well, I'm in the middle, I'm neutral, I let you guys here and you guys over there and I'm right here. Uh Uh-uh. It's either or. Either you're with God or you're against God. Either you're gathering with him and you're all bundled up and next to him or you're scattered abroad. There's not one, two, and three. It's either one or two. And so this is crucial because today's message, although it's very, you know, it's very brief, it's very simple. You're saying, you know, Joey, this is not, I want some deep messages. I need you to smack me up. I want to go ouch all of the time when when you preach. Well, I just got here. I'll start smacking you up in about six months. But but for right now, I want to make sure that we all have a solid foundation. I want to make sure that we understand. And so a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the the love that God has for you. Now we want to focus on the sinner's need of Christ. If you're not a sinner, you're more than welcome to head out now. Otherwise, stay and let's talk about this because you see, this is the problem. We have a need of Christ and many of us don't realize it. Many of us don't understand the danger that we are in. We are thinking that it is okay to stay right here where we are. But it is not okay at all whatsoever. Steps to Christ, page 17. An amazing book. If you never read it, it's a very cool book. Let me know. I'll be more than happy to facilitate. Page 17. This is referring to mankind. It says, His nature became so weakened to transgression that it was impossible for him in his own strength to resist the power of evil. After his sin, you know, meaning man- mankind, he could no longer find joy in holiness, and he sought to hide from the presence of God. The sinner could not be happy in God's presence. If the sinner were permitted to enter heaven, he would not be happy. Heaven would be to him a place of torture. It is no arbitrary decree on the part of God that excludes the wicked from heaven. They are shut out by their own unfitness for his companionship. The glory of God will be to them a consuming fire. They will welcome destruction that they might be hidden from the face of him who died to redeem them. Let me tell you a little bit about this. And if you're not familiar with this, let me tell you what this is about. The Sabbath school this morning touched on this. Remember what I told you a couple of weeks ago? I gave the leaders of the church a six-month sermon schedule. I had no idea that this morning's Sabbath school would lined up with a little bit of this. But if you study your lesson, very cool. Glad that you were here. Glad that you studied uh, the Bible study this morning. Let me tell you what happens. In the very beginning, we were created in God's image. Everything was perfect. We were here with God. Everything was all right. The devil came. He tempted Eve and Adam, and men fell, and we gave into sin. In turn, we became captive by the devil. In turn, instead of being free, now we were just just embraced by the devil, and Christ had to come and die for us to pay a ransom to set us free. That ransom was when he died on the cross for you and for me. We read the scriptures and towards the end of Revelation, we see a restoration of the world from what it once used to be and we're working our way back. And so there's two types of things that are happening here. 
when the de- when we gave in to the devil and we sinned, everyone, even when my son was born and he did nothing, immediately he was still captive by the devil. Until the day that he accepted Christ. Because you see, Christ died a couple of thousand years ago for you and me and for our sins. But until you accept that gift, you are still captive by the devil. Do you see the difference? Now the thing is though, that even though you are captive by the devil, I want you to picture a, 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 a jail cell. You picture a jail cell and it's all locked up. And so imagine this, when Christ died for you and me, the doors flung open, and now you're more than welcome to walk out of that jail cell. However, although the doors have been flung open, until we recognize Christ as our Savior and accept his gift of salvation, because it is a gift and there's nothing that you can do to accept that gift, it is like the doors open, but we're remaining in there and saying, yes, I'm still locked up. Oh, no, like a mind. Why I can't get out? And we are here. And it's like you refuse to get out and you're remaining captive because you are choosing to. You no longer need to be bound. Choose Christ and you are free. So that was our very first freedom. And then we have the opportunity when Christ comes again to actually take us from here. Things are going to happen for a thousand years. If you study the prophecies, then we're going to come back. And then we're going to have a new heavens and a new earth and all of that stuff. But between now and then, what we do and what we choose is what makes a difference. And so right now we are in a position where we cannot save ourselves. We cannot do it of ourselves. And Christ is coming soon. And when Christ comes, not many people are going to be happy. What I just finished reading here is that... For some people, they're going to be upset. It's like for me, you know, I used to do a lot of bad things growing up. And my mom used to say, ha, wait until your father gets home. Well, first of all, I didn't know how much time I have to still do whatever I wanted to. But then the other thing, thing too, is that when my dad came home and he knocked on the door, or he opened the door, it's like, <sighs> I just felt, you know, you feel your heart drop. You know, you, you get that feeling in your stomach and things start just, 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 just bouncing. You know, because I knew and I was not happy to see my dad come home. Not at all whatsoever. However, when I was behaving and I knew maybe it was birthday time, Christmas time, uh, Three Kings Day, all of those things. And daddy came home. At that moment, it's like, yay, daddy is home. He was still showing up at the house. The difference was my condition. You know, I grew up in Camden, New Jersey, one of the worst cities in the U.S., you know, top one and two for the worst crime and violence. I mean, we still hold the record for killing the most cops in this city. I mean, you see it. We've been competing with Detroit for over 40 years. That's where I grew up. And so what happens is that when I was walking in the one side of the law and I was seeing a cop, you know, I, I didn't like that cop too much. I hide from the cop. I couldn't stand the cop. However, when I find myself in the other side of the law and someone breaks into my house and I call the cops, I love when the cops showed up. Yes, glory, hallelujah, hallelujah. The cops are here. What changed was my condition. Whether it was my daddy coming home or whether it's a police officer showing up, it all really depends. It all really depends on you. And there's going to be people that are not going to be happy when Christ comes again to take us home. Why? Because of the condition. This is why Auntie Ellen in the, in the book Steps to Christ, uh, you know, she says that if, you know, even if the sinner were allowed into heaven, he will be miserable there. 
Because our condition there would not allow us to enjoy heaven for what it is. And so this is why our characters are being molded and shaped while we are here. Desire of Ages, page 142, it says that Christ could have finished the work all by himself. But in order for us to develop a character like Christ, we must be partakers in his life-saving mission. We must be partakers in that because we are here in a character building school. Or do you think that God will welcome in heaven how you treat your brothers and sisters here on earth? How you look towards them? How you behave towards them? How you speak? How you act when no one is watching? Do you think that that's really welcome there? We must start working on getting ourselves right here. Not because it is how we are saved. But because we are saved, we allow Christ to work in us. But we cannot do this of ourselves. This is something that Christ must do in our own lives. There was a story um, uh, in Sarasota some years back, just south of where we were in St. Pete, much further south than here, about these people who were in the water, and uh, they were swimming at the beach, and all of a sudden, these guys on the boats are screaming, and they're screaming, and they're screaming, and they're screaming. They couldn't hear, and they get closer. They're still screaming, and they're saying, get out of the water, get out of the water. They didn't get it. They're looking at them. They're, they're still just splashing around. Get out of the water. Get out of the water. And it finally says, there's a salt water crock. Get out of the water. And so finally, they went right ahead and got out. They were unaware that lurking underneath the waters, they were splashing away and, and, and playing around and all of that stuff, that there was a huge saltwater crack. It was like a 12-foot or two uh, right there lurking underneath. Let me ask you the question. Yes, welcome to Florida, you guys from Michigan. <laughs> welcome. <laughs> anyway, stay away from Wakala Springs. Everybody here tells me, thinks I'm a fool. Yeah, go to Wakala Springs, swim. The, 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 there's a rope, and the gators stay on the other side of the rope. You are good to swim in there. Yeah, yeah. My mom didn't raise no fool. Crazy, yes. Stupid, no. You know, so we'll, we'll talk. I'll let you know. Don't listen to these people at all, okay? But anyhow, yeah, you people. So anyhow, so, but let me, let me ask you a question. As they're there splashing in the water, they were oblivious. If it wasn't because of the people that had a different view, a different perspective, that were there, that were able to see more clearly, does it mean that they were in any less danger because ignorance is bliss? Hmm? Exactly. They were still just in much danger before they knew it and after they knew it, except that because they knew about it, they were able to do something about it, and they were able to just get out. Right? And right now we have a world of people out there that don't recognize their need for Christ. That they're wondering why it is that they can't seem to get a break. That everything that happens, you know, time after time, they're struggling, they're struggling, there's things that are taking place. And they're saying there's a void and I'm trying and I don't know where the answer is. Well, the answer is Christ in your life. That's the difference. The answer is Christ in your life. That's what makes all of the, the difference. And it is our job, who maybe have a different perspective now, to be able to let them know, my brother, my sister, you need Christ in your life. This is how I was before Christ. This is how I met Christ. And this is who I am after Christ. Now, don't judge me because it's still not finished yet. But I have to tell you that my God is an amazing God. And so there are people out there that are in danger. Worse 
than a saltwater croc after them. It is a lion, that devil, that serpent of old. He's going around like a lion seeking whom to devour. That's almost biblical, isn't it? You see that there throughout the Bible. Go with me to Romans chapter 7. Go with me to Romans chapter 7. And as you're finding your way to Romans chapter 7, I'm going to share with you some verses because I want you to understand that without Christ, we can't do nothing. One of the problems that we have in our churches is that we have a checklist that we give to people where if you're going to convert, you must dress like this, look like that, eat this, eat that. Beer. And that's not how it works. You can't put the cart before the horse. Let's bring people to Christ and let Christ in us get rid of all that filth inside of us. Auntie Ellen compares it to a tree sharing leaves. And so I'm a tree right now and there's some bad leaves that are here. I'll let go of a bad one and a good one, a new one. It comes out in its place. But there's still some other bad ones. And little by little, I'm shedding them. And little by little, they're dropping out of my life. If you look at me, you may see me at a stage in my life where there's more bad leaves than good leaves. But it is a process that takes place. And it can only happen genuinely and wholeheartedly with Christ dwelling in you. And that is crucial. So work your way to Romans 7. And I'm going to read from a couple of other verses outside of Romans 7. Just for time purposes. Afterwards, let me know. I'll be more than happy to email you all of the notes. Joel 14.4. Who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? No one. Romans 8.7. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God. Nor indeed can it be. John 3, 3, Jesus answered to him and said, More so surely I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians 2, 14, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. 1 Corinthians 3, 7, So then, neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. So you could plant and water all you want. It is my God that gives the increase. Acts 4.12 Nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. It is a matter of Christ. And there's many verses. I can give you a whole list if you want to. Where it points to the fact that we are absolutely nothing without Christ. He is the one. Now recognizing that Christ is good. Recognizing that, that his word is good. Means absolutely nothing either. Recognizing it means nothing. Longing for it is what makes all of the difference. It is what makes all of the difference. I, I know President Obama. I know who he is, but I don't really know him. We don't hang out. We don't play games together. We don't, you know. So, so knowing and acknowledging something or someone versus experiencing and longing after something or someone is two distinct things. So we must allow Christ to work in our lives because we have a dire, dire need. This is a struggle that is not easy for us. You have here in Romans 7, Paul talks a little bit about this struggle. And we're going to read through it. Is that all right? Does everybody have it? Romans 7, beginning on verse 1. It says, Or do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law. He's not speaking to people who don't know anything. He's speaking to church folk right now. That the law has dominion over men as long as he lives. 
Verse 2, for the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. Verse 3, so then, if while her husband lives, she marries another man, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law, so that she is no adulteress, though she has married another man. Verse 4, therefore, my brethren... You also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, who we should bear fruit to God. I want to pause right there for a moment on verse 4. He is talking about commandments and laws. See, there's a thing in the Bible that says, if you love me, you keep my commandments. Now, my wife, you know, when I first met her, imagine before I met her, you know, I said, Quran, hey, hook me up with the sister. You know, let me know. What, what, what can you tell me about her? Well, Joey, she, she doesn't like it when you do this, that, that, and that. She hates the color blue, loves the color green. She hates purple, but she loves the color pink. Make sure that you dress like this or you dress like that, behave like this. I'm going to be like, yeah, I'm going to pass, brother. Uh, uh, that's not, that's not going to work out. You know what I mean? Uh, that's not going to happen. However, once I get to know her, once I get to really know her and fall in love with her, and she says, hey, honey, you know, I don't really like how you look in blue. But, man, when you wear green, I just, I just, I love it. So, so you know, because I love her, I'm going to grab all my black stuff or, or blue stuff, whatever color I said she didn't like, and throw it out of the window. But the one that she likes is like, honey, check it out. You know, pata. Ah, you know, Why? Because I love the sister. And in turn, I'm going to do the things that she likes. But the things that she does not like, I will do my best not to do that. And you see, if we love God, why are we going to mistreat our brothers when he says, love your neighbor as yourself? That's why if I love my neighbor, I'm not going to lie to him. That's why if I love my neighbor, I'm not going to steal from him. That's why if I love my neighbor, I will honor them. I will not cover from them or kill them. You see... When you love God, you do this as a reflection of your love. It is not a set, a set of rules of do's and don'ts. Don't worry about the do's and don'ts. Worry about getting to know him. And as you get to know him, you just can't help it. I just love wearing her favorite colors and not wearing the ones that she hates. I love cooking her favorite meals. I love going to her restaurants versus the ones that I like out of love. And so if I love God, as a result... I would do things that please him because he says, love me with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, with all your strength. He didn't say, love me only when it's convenient for you. He didn't say, love me when, no, only on the seventh day of the week and forget the other six days. He's not saying all of that. Love me with your all and love your neighbor as yourself. So you see, keeping the commandments and doing these things, it's not like this is the rule and this is the law and this is it. We got to watch out for that because the Pharisees were even too religious for Christ. Christ apparently didn't follow the rules enough for them and therefore they rejected him so we got to make sure we don't jump into that so there's a clear-cut distinction but the law still important is it bad not at all and when the old you dies and the new you is born you are born into Christ and you're married to him and as a result you want to obey him as a reflection, as a demonstration of your love. Not to be saved, but because you are saved. Are you with me? 
Let us continue reading in verse 5. It says, For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. You are either bearing fruits of life or you're bearing fruit to death. There is no in between. Verse 6, But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. So we're still serving but there's a newness there. There's a difference there. You see that? Verse 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would have not known sin except through the law. For I would have not known covetousness unless the law has said, you shall not covet. So if the, Lord, the law says don't kill, then how am I know that, that that's not okay to do? You know, some people say that the commandments were given on Mount Sinai, but then why did Cain get in trouble for killing his brother if there was no law even from the very beginning? You know, but that's something else for some other day, yeah? Anyhow, let us go ahead and keep reading. Verse 8, But sin, taking opportunity by the commandment, produced in me all manner of evil desire. For apart from the law, sin was dead. You can't break the law if there is no law that says you cannot. Are you with me? Verse 12, recognizing, here it is, the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good. But recognizing it is not good enough. We must long after it. Verse 14, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. Verse 15, for what I am doing, I do not understand. I don't get it because this is what it is. For what I will to do, you know, what I'm trying to do, what I desire to do, that I don't practice. But what I hate, that I do. Verse 16, if then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. Verse 17, but now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Verse 18, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. He's talking about struggle within him. You know, the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I, I don't, I don't want to do, I do do. You know, and so he ends up all in, in do do. Yes. Um, verse 19. For the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Verse 20, now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Verse 21, I find then a law that evil is present with me, that one who wills to do good. So even though I'm trying to, there is evil within me. I don't know if you come to that realization. I don't know if you've seen that. The sooner you realize that, that you are just nothing but sin and sinful, the sooner you could go to the source. I cringe when people think that they have attained. Well, pastor, you should see brother so-and-so. He's struggling with it. Not in this church. I'm sure this is just other churches. But, you know, brother so-and-so, you see how, what he wore today? You see how he talked the other day? You see what he ate over there? You see what he is behaving? You know, shame on him. <clears throat> you know, I may God have mercy on your soul. Because... You must recognize that we all fall short of his glory. And in turn, we must go to his feet right away running. Don't even walk. Why do you tarry? Why do you wait? Why do you delay? Come to him right now. Verse 22. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. Verse 23. For I see another law in my members 
warring against the law of my mind. There's a fight there. There's a battle. And bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Verse 24. Oh, wretched man that I am. And then he poses a question. Who will deliver me from this body of death? On verse 25, he kind of touches it a little bit. He says, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Go with me to John 1.29, the last text for today. John 1.29. And when you have it, say amen. There's a question there in Romans 7 that says, Who will deliver me from this body of death? And here's John 1.29. Here's John speaking. The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him. And he says, Behold the Lamb of God who leaves, who what? Who takes away the sins of the world. The Lamb of God is the one that takes that away. I want to I wrap it up by telling you this. I want you to understand something. Right now, there's only two ends that we have in this world. And I'm not saying this to scare the, the heck out of you. Okay, you know, although, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not like that. That's how we used to try to do ministry back in the day. You know, repent or burn. No, no, I'm not trying to do that to scare you. I, I want you to understand that, you know, the truth of the matter is that my God is coming very, very soon. The time is very, very short. We have an opportunity to see things from a slightly different perspective. And we need to let people know of the danger that they are facing. Perhaps you here right now sitting here are facing that danger and you don't recognize it. I want you to understand that my God is one that says that I will never leave you nor forsake you. He says that if I am with you, who is against you? He is there by your side and my God will carry you through. But understand something. Understand something. We are not immune to the trials and tribulations of this world. Things and attacks and bad things are going to come our way as a result of the sinful world that we are in. Whether we are infected or affected, we're still not exempt from it. And so that is very, very crucial for you to understand. But I want you to understand that there is a hope in Christ. And if you are exhausted of doing things on your own, if you are tired of just, you know, I don't, I don't seem to see the light anywhere. It's thing after thing after thing. When it rains, it does pour. I get it. You know, Murphy's Law, if anything can go wrong. I mean, you are sitting here in chaos. There is hope and there is joy. We see that in Christ Jesus. There is deliverance and you have a need for him. From, for him. You really do. We have a need of Christ so, understand this. It is a matter of your condition and your perspective in the face of things. Remember when my daddy came home? Whether I was being bad or good, determined whether or not I was happy or sad to see him? Let me tell you this. In this chaotic world, if you're choosing Christ in your life, what happens is that chaos will still come. 
but you can just smile and continue to work yourself through it. I told you a little bit about my crazy move on the way here. We're out of power with the storm, set back the movers. We had to move ourselves. The truck broke down on the way here, like at three in the morning. We had to put our family up in hotels. We were just like eating out for a couple of weeks because we had other circumstances going on. Just last Sabbath on the way to the other church in Crawfordville, we had a flat tire on the way there. On my nice suit and tie, after I slave over it and try to iron it because I haven't found a decent dry cleaners, by the way, after church, text me or let me know who, what dry cleaners you recommend because uh, it's been horrible. I took it to one and they messed stuff up. They, they ironed the collar like this. And I was at Crawfordville doing this and it went back up. And the whole sermon, I'm doing this. And it was just, anyhow, I'm digressing on my little, the point is that things happen and it is all right. See, my God never keeps you from situations. He carries you through. That's how he works. Many people think, you know what? The minute that I decided to come to church, suddenly all the attacks came. I got a flat on the way there or this happened. I couldn't find my brown shoes like what happened last week. I got them this week. We were good. But, you know, because I wore the same suit, you know, I got a, I got a tire of ironing. Anyway, I fixed it, the collar. Though. But anyhow, the point is, that's the good thing about going to the different churches. Anyways, the point is, is that what? Some Sabbath best, you know, you could do that. Anyways, the point is, is that you go through the circumstances. And the minute you try to give your heart to God, the devil attacks even more. Smile and rejoice. I love it in James when he says, consider it all joy. Consider it all joy. This is for the refining and the perfecting of you yourself of your character and everything. If the devil is not attacking you and you're all happy and everything goes well, you better watch out. That means you're not a threat to the brother. You understand? And so when you are attacked, just smile. Just consider it all joy because my God is the one that carries you through everything. Not, he doesn't keep you from the fiery furnace, but he protects you through it. He doesn't keep you from the flood, but through the flood. He doesn't keep you from the lion's den. It's in the story this morning. But while you are in there, you're able to just nap freely and enjoy it. And it is okay. You are smiling in the middle of chaos. I mean, this is how my God works. And may he forgive us when, when we are weak and we say, why, God? Just smile and say, you know what? Thank you, God, for being by my side. Thank you, God, because I know there's no temptation that will come my way without you providing a way out. And so I want you to remember that we have a need of him. It is important that we recognize that. And it is important that we show the world. Not tell the world. No one wants a speech. They're looking at you to see how you react in the middle of chaos. They're looking at you to see how you behave while inside the fiery furnace or the lion's den or through the flood. If you're sitting there in jail like Paul and them just singing hymns, they're going to say, wow, there's something different about you. If you're sitting there like Stephen in the middle of being stoned, Lord, forgive him because they don't know what they're doing. Oh, they're going to say, I want whatever it is that you have. You have an opportunity to minister to the world. I love Hebrews 8 and 10, which is quoted in the Old Testament when it says that no longer will you tell the world to know God, but from the least of them to the greatest, they will know them because you'll get to show them who Christ is. We have a need of Christ. And if you don't know it, I need you to realize that. And if you do know it, I need you to tell the world. Let us go ahead and pray. Most gracious and heavenly Father, I want to thank you for being such an amazing God. I want to thank you for the gift of your son. 
I want to thank you because when we answer the question, who can deliver us from this body of death? Behold the Lamb of God who takes the sins of the world. Lord, I yearn for that day when you come again, but between now and then we must tarry and occupy this world, and we dare not do it alone. May you come into our lives. May you continue to bless us. May you continue to work in us and through us for the benefit of all. This is my prayer in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.